1: Alright folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Wire Football Podcast Preview Week 12 edition. Right Matt, are we Week 12 already?
0: That is correct. Oh
1: boy, time's flying, but November football is the best football, I think.
0: And this week in particular, is, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this week. I think it's going to be a good week. Why is that? Because not only are there four different rivalry games. Trophies! There's still, a lot of, there's still a lot on the line all across the Mountain West. You know, you got one game for control of the West Division, you've got couple teams about to claw their way to bowl eligibility with a win you know you got boise state trying to stay ahead of the mountain division you know things like that and you know there's a lot to uh, lot to look forward to
1: and then you have hawaii unlv
0: well that that's what i'm saying that's one of those right bowl teams, el- and forget.
1: and bowl eligibility for the warriors six and four exactly so what we're gonna start with like we did last week oh well, actually first of all excuse me pardon me mwr.com look for all of our stuff and a big thank you to everybody, right, Matt? We have a new yearly record after our second full year. I think it is.
0: I second that, yeah.
1: So thank you. So stop by, and, as we know, thank you, Hawaii football fans, because you do a lot of work for us. Help. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. That's definitely true. <laughs> because you like your Warriors football, to find out whatever channel it's on, NFL draft stuff, and other things as well. So I appreciate that. If you like, if you listen and and read, if you listen, don't read. We'll go read. If you stumbled across this, just whatever, subscribe, read, wherever you want to go, listen. Just find us anywhere, Mountain West and we got you covered. Hoops, oh boy, hoops is going crazy. But we're talking football. And before we get to actual games, which we do have a Friday night game for the old oil can. Well, me and Raj did our podcast yesterday about, or I guess I shouldn't say yesterday in the podcast. Man. I should say Wednesday night, so people have a time frame, I guess. We talked about the rankings, which eh, little stuff happened here or there. Got a big weekend of games coming up. What are your kind of thoughts and... What happened with an hour round with Boise moving up to one spot? And then I'll leave the floor open for you to rant about Texas if you'd like. (laughs) Now, see, here's the thing about Texas.
0: I think they're jumping the Broncos right now has more to do with the playoff committee having to find a spot for them to jump back in because they were going to after beating Kansas State last week. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it says more about just finding a landing spot for Texas than it says about Boise State in their resume. You know, I think the most important thing is that 1, 2, and 3 are exactly the same. You know, Boise mm-hmm. didn't lose any ground to Navy. They, you know, didn't get bounced from the rankings like SMU did in favor of Appalachian State. Whoops. So to me, I don't think it's necessarily that big of a deal, especially since the two teams that are kind of that that broke up that big G5 clump from last week, Texas, and then Iowa. You know, Iowa had to fall somewhere, Mm -hmm. which is another part of that equation. Um, Both of those teams could lose next week because Texas, I think they are going to
1: Iowa State, if I'm not mistaken. They are, yes.
0: And then Iowa is hosting Minnesota. Or is it the other way around?
1: Um, I know they're playing Minnesota. I'm not sure where. But your point stands where... It is – if on the surface, it is concerning because they're not back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. There's no 2 I mean, te- I mean, let's, just, let's gap, just put
0: it like this. Texas but, and Iowa lose. They're both going to get bounced from the top 25, yeah. and then Boise State's could be right back to where they started.
1: Yeah. Iowa, really quick, they play Minnesota at home, then Illinois and at Nebraska. So if they don't lose this weekend, they could win the rest of their games. But here's the thing to like what me and Ross said. Since those the spots there, if you just look at it, it kind of stinks. Texas is there most likely, in my opinion, they have a couple good wins, like Kansas State, and, and then the, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma so State. They,
0: they've got those pair of wins, and even the the games that they've lost. LSU was close. Yeah, LSU was fairly close. They played them tough.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, they also played Kansas they, tough and one.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, the Red River shootout uh, with Oklahoma that was a one score game as well. Mm-hmm. Like the only, the only really, I don't know if you would even call it a bad loss. Was on the road at TCU so when you take into account the fact that like we already know who you play matters we already know that they're accounting for the schedule at least in in some respect you know just by Jeff Sagarin's rankings Texas is number 11 by strength of schedule and that that counts for something so Mm -hmm. when you look at a team in the first two or three weeks of the college football playoff and you see that they have three wins and you're wondering why they're there it's because they played a very, very tough schedule in the eyes of the committee. You know that was the same reason that, you know, we wondered about Iowa State last year. Yeah. Oh boy. With with you know they had beaten two top five teams at the time in both Oklahoma and TCU, but they had lost three games as well. But you know those big wins count. And Minnesota, so Minnesota
1: nine spot jump beating Penn State. Yeah, I was so close to nailing that one. Where'd you put them at? I had him at number seven. Good. I'm glad you did it because you're wrong. Utah 7. <laughs> <laughs> Which our radio show had plenty to talk about that Wednesday about. We see a path. There's a path to four. Go I mean, teams.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think that the, a lot of the puzzle pieces and the, the Power 5 pieces in particular are probably going to shuffle quite a bit over the mm-hmm. next couple of weeks. Yeah. And personally, unless there's an upset that nobody sees coming... At least until Cincinnati and Memphis face each other on the last week of the regular season. And we'll probably come back to this again in later podcasts. I just don't see Boise being able to leapfrog either of them.
1: No, they can't. Like, that's why we mentioned last night, I'll keep it brief. You can go listen to what me and Raj said, but there's a gap that widens. Like, I, I think I made my example poorly because it was late last night, and Wednesday night, and I was going through. I'm like, I think I made my example poorly because there's a the gap now, the two team gap. And since, he, if they, Memphis keep winning, they may move up a couple spots depending on who wins or loses above or behind. They may be 14 or something. I mean, it could be like a 14-15 matchup, which is in the realm of possibility. And mm-hmm. what if Boise State's kind of sticks around kind of, they're just there, like at 20 or they there's there's like a 2-4 to four or 5-team gap for whatever reason, like Navy beats Notre Dame, but Navy can't get there because they have to have Memphis flus or whatever, reasons for like that. Just say there's a gap. And... Whatever teams, it doesn't matter who Since or Memphis lose, they'll play each other again the following week in the conference mm. title game. So say it's a 14-15, and 50, and with San Diego State losing, it doesn't help Boise's case either to play a ranked team, and that's who they'd face, and if they make the title game. A lot of ifs there. But And this is the biggest if here. Let's just say it's Cincy Memphis up high. There's a 4-5 or five team gap. The loser of that game, I could see, let's say it's like the SMU-Memphis game, pretty close. Mm-hmm. what if boise's 19 since he's 14 memphis is 15 memphis wins would since still be ahead of boise state and then they go I, back and win next weekend or even or even worse go behind boise state and the team set lose flip and win Would they come back thought, and jump boise with two losses
0: my first thought is that the gap is never going to get that big
1: there that that's true it's very possible i think at most three would probably be the case
0: I really don't see it getting much bigger than it is right now. And like I said, I think that's more because they just needed to find places for teams yeah. to either to, to fall or to jump into. I
1: don't but, know, I, you know. I just think consi- that's considering the, something considering to look the, at, I would say.
0: I mean, considering the opponents that Cincinnati and Memphis have down the stretch. And again, you know, if they, if everybody takes care of their business over the next couple of weeks, this is, you know, conversations not going to change over the next couple of weeks, but you know, Memphis gets Houston on Saturday afternoon, and then they get South Florida. Both of those games are on the road, mm-hmm. and Houston. So Scrabby. that might be that might be something to watch. Cincinnati gets South Florida this weekend, and then they go to or they they host Temple. No. That one that one's worth keeping an eye on as well. Yeah. Temple's a pretty good team. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, I think the most important thing, obviously, is you just you got to handle what's right in front of you. Of course, you and what's Sorry. right in front of you is New Mexico.
1: Yeah, that should be fine. We'll get to that game later. I'm just thinking that's something to look out for. For some reason, like you said, what if they have to play some – you said, what if there's a random upset? Are they going to have to play – because Oklahoma State could beat Oklahoma. Kansas State could be another Big 12 team. Like that gap could widen because we have to put them somewhere, and Boise's not better than Oklahoma State, so we'll drop Boise down. That's where there could be concern. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if – what I said before, since you're Memphis or neck-and-neck 13-14 – the one team loses, the team that loses comes back to win. They'd have better wins in Boise State and everybody calling much, what about the Air Force win? I'm like, well, that's an okay win. But I'm just saying there's there's a lot to look we're giving a lot of what ifs, but I'm just saying, as I said the other time, that's something to look out for, I guess. Mm-hmm. Alright, so let's get to games here. Fresno State at San Diego State. The old oil can. Is it the original oil can from fifty, sixty years ago that they're fighting over?
0: I believe so, yeah.
1: And who's who originally had it? Do you recall?
0: Oh, I don't know that off the top of my head.
1: Did one school run out of oil or gas to get to the game, or something? Is that how this came about?
0: Well, that was the idea: is that back in the day when, when you had old timey cars, hand cranked, yeah, uh, you know, get, get <laughs> getting from Fresno to San Diego wasn't a six-hour trip; it was a lot longer than oh, that.
1: No kidding, you can go forty-five on the dirt road. Essentially, <laughs>
0: that's basically it, yeah you know, in those times before the interstate system and all that.
1: All right, so this matchup. Are you, Is this line correct? It's even. Is it a pickup?
0: Last I checked, uh, it opened San Diego State minus three. Uh, It is now Fresno State minus one.
1: Where are you looking at? I'm looking over here at ESPN Even. Even. Pick them.
0: Uh, I'm looking at it on Vegas Insider. Interesting. What should we go by? I mean, it doesn't matter.
1: I don't know, because I also have on our official document I need to fill out is two and a half. Oh, okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. So it's regardless, I think it's a close game for why is it this close when it's at San Diego State and Fresno, as you and I both know, have just been kind of uh, not the best this year?
0: It's You know what it is? It's a contrast to styles.
1: I guess so. Because the over-under and- on this game is fairly low at 43 and a half
0: and you know it, it rem- this game reminds me at least in in San Diego State's case of something that I wrote when I was trying to project the first college football playoff top 25 and, and laying out the case of why San Diego State may not make it the first time around mm-hmm. and we saw it come to fruition last week is you know when you are trying to win without blowing people out or even giving yourself comfortable margins of victory all it takes is one slip yeah And that's basically what happened. It's like, you know, they played the exact kind of game that they wanted. You know, the defense played well, but the offense didn't give them the opportunity to win that game. And so when you look at this matchup, you know, you kind of see strengths against strengths and weaknesses against weaknesses all over the place. You know, for instance, you know, Fresno State's kind of got a, a, a walking wounded offensive line at this point. You know, they're down two starting linemen and then, uh, you know, two other linemen, Cyrus Tiotelli and, uh, Carrea Woodley are both dealing with injuries. Their status is up in the air. Um, but they might still have a leg up on San Diego state's offensive line, just because, you know, we, we can look at the yards per carry figure and see that they're, they're now dead last in the conference on a per carry basis. Not what you would expect from a, from an offense that runs the ball 60% of the time. So, you know, I, you know, I see things like that. I see the fact that, you know, San Diego State definitely has a better pass rush mm-hmm. than, than Fresno State. Um, but Fresno State, you know, has, you know, you know, it's basically kind of a classic offense and defense or cl- offense versus defense if you want to paint really broad strokes. But there's a lot of places where this game could turn depending on which strength is able to kind of outdo the other or conversely which kinds of weaknesses are able to you know better you know exploit you know the other side of those things
1: serious question what is san Diego state's offensive strength at this point in the year
0: i mean i think it's
1: they don't taking, have one i mean
0: i think it's taking care of the ball yeah,
1: that's that's a pretty that's not a good strength i like, it's not a bad strength but it's not what you want to say your best offensive asset is not turning the ball over
0: I mean, it's basically the the kind of offense that you've come to expect over the last few years. It's just what they most want to do running the football. Is just they, they haven't been able to do it. And so I think if you're Fresno State, you got to start thinking about, okay, well, how are you going to stop the run? Because they have kind of struggled with that more often than not this year.
1: Yeah. It, it's just... Neither team, like... With the Aztecs, we thought they're better to the loss of convention. There's no room for error, but it's—I don't know what. It's a—it's a tough question to answer, I guess, at least for me. I mean,
0: I think I think if you're San Diego State, what you want to do is you want to try and find success on early downs. Yeah. And honestly, I think you kind of have to put that in Ryan Agnew's hands because, you know, you look at stuff rate right on offense, for instance, and that's just basically the percentage of plays stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage. Um. On offense, they're 111th. That's been a huge part of the the offense's overall inefficiencies. And when you look at Fresno State, like you can see where they might have the opportunity to improve on that a little bit because Fresno State's defensive step rate is only 86. It's about 17%. It's, um, and they're going to be missing one of their key pieces in Isaiah Johnson. He's another guy who's now out for the year with injury. But I think that you want to find success through the air on those early downs, because one of the places that Agnew has really struggled is being able to move the chains, especially in more obvious passing situations. In 42 third down attempts of seven or more yards, he's only converted 10 first downs. And so I think that if the if Fresno State's defense can get a leg up on San Diego State's offensive line, if they can continue stuffing Jordan Bird and, and juan washington and forcing agnew to have to make plays on more obvious passing downs it just seems like over the course of the season that is an area where the aztecs have typically struggled you
1: no know, it has and then look at like i think in this game ronnie Rivers is probably the best. it's a key for fresno stay like you want to talk about running the ball if maybe john washington comes back maybe jasmine has a decent game but what rivers did last week i know it's versus nevada not the greatest defensive team overall so I think that might be, like, if I'm going for, like, st- the strength of this game, that might be one of the strengths I look at for why Frozen would win.
0: Because we've seen Jorge I mean, have hey, think... been
1: okay. Not great, but he's been fine.
0: I mean, I definitely think you're right. And this is one of those strength on strength kind of things mm-hmm. that I was telling you because we know that Frozen State's been running the ball extremely well recently. Um, and I know that we've mentioned it at least once or twice. But uh, San State's defense, especially their defensive line, They're playing incredibly well right now. You know, but both the traditional metrics and the advanced ones, you know, just by line yards per carry, they're up to third nationally. They're, you know, we just talked about stuff rate a moment ago on offense. You know, they've struggled on that side, but they're second nationally on defense with a stuff rate of nearly 30%. They've, you know, held opponents in power success rate, which is basically kind of short yardage situations under 50%, you know, third nationally. And a lot of that comes down to the guys up front who have played a huge role you know kishon banks cameron thomas miles cheatham have combined for 12 sacks and 22 tfls so if the offensive line even if they are 100 percent, it's gonna be i mean it could be tough sledding against this defensive front because the guys up front have been doing have been putting in a lot of work for the aztecs
1: i just look at this really quick i was looking at the, some points uh defensive point totals Mm-hmm. Do you see how good San Diego State's points allowed or are this year? Uh, let me sp- they I mean, are. The most points allowed is 23 all year. They've only allowed 20 points twice. And one of those was to Wyoming. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. I mean, and that kind of leads, I think, into one of the other big things that I wrote about in my game preview. One thing that both of these teams have in common, uh, or maybe not in common, but one of those things that could turn the game one way or the other Uh, Fresno state is really good at, uh, working their way out of being pinned down in situations while San Diego state has been very good about preventing opponents from doing that. So if you look at points per drive and especially on long drives, which is when, you know, teams are basically, they start within their own 20 yard line on defense, the Aztecs are seventh nationally, you know, allowing 0.53 yards per drive. And that's a huge reason why they're 11th nationally in just points per drive, period. But Fresno State's been just as good on the offensive side of the ball. When they're starting inside their own 20-yard line, they're 18th nationally, 2.75 yards per drive. So I think one of the things that, you know, if both of these offenses scuffle or, you know, maybe they move the ball a little bit but they can't get into field goal range or they're they're stuck kind of between the 40s or whatever— this is, you know, the, both of the punters have been really good this year. Mm-hmm. They're both in basically the top 30 as far as net punting. So I could see a game unfolding where Blake Cusick and Brandon Heichlin have a lot to say about you know, which team ends up coming on top. Especially if, if one team can kind of tilt field position in their favor, you know, let's say the, the Aztecs, for instance, um, you know, they, they, kind of stall out at midfield, but they can pin mm. Reyna and company back at like the 10 yard line or something like that and really have to make them work for it, um, to, 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 take advantage of the strengths that they might have on offense or conversely, like if, if they can do the same thing and they know the San Diego state might have a tough time moving the ball consistently down the field. That's one of those subtle things where that may not show up uh, on the stat sheet at the top of the stat sheet, but that could make a huge difference in this game.
1: So who would you try to say that, um, Field position comes into play. Like these, they good field position. Both punters do a good job. Who would you? What offense would you trust? I might lean toward Fresno because they can actually score. Like if Fresno has direct the ten yard line, like field position is not very good for either team. Just because punting's great, defense is great, the field doesn't flip too many times. I may lean toward Fresno if they if they're putting those situations equally. I think the Bulldogs might be able to get out of it more.
0: I mean, I may answer your question with a question. Okay. When was the last time you think San Diego State faced a a good and a balanced offense?
1: Good what do you mean
0: by good? I'd like a baseline for what you mean by good offense. I mean I'll I'll leave that up to you. Let me you, see his, I mean if you just you look down the line let me see at, at who they have played.
1: Uh, balanced uh Nevada they didn't run very well against them. Um, Utah State, I guess. And that's the, maybe, kind of maybe that, CSU, that's the kind of I guess? game that I think
0: Fresno State wants to play—a
1: low-scoring game like that.
0: I think they want to be able to move the ball and make the Aztecs beat them.
1: I think like for, to make the offense beat them in particular—the San Diego State offense. Yeah, well, and Fresno State's offense is more balanced. Running Rivers, depending on the passing game, is well enough. Yeah, no, because
0: it, you know, you look down the line, mm-hmm. like Colorado State's obviously got a, an offense that's firing on all cylinders, but yeah. they were still going through their quarterback transition. When the Aztecs...
1: Yeah, it was 24-10. And they still had... Let me take a quick look here. I've up here. That's the Aztecs one. It was still O'Brien in one of his early games. And mm-hmm. the running game of that team was Marcus McElroy played, and Marvin Kinsey was still on the roster. I had minus eight yards. And so yeah, it and, wasn't I mean, we, a balance, and, really. You know,
0: Wyoming has struggled to throw the ball more often than not this year. Seeing Jose State has struggled running the ball more often mm-hmm. than not. UNLV, like, who knows? <laughs> and, and that, I think... Is could ultimately make the difference in this game is we know that Fresno State can do both pretty well. It's an above average offense that just on a per drive basis they're they're basically they're slightly outdoing last year's offense at this point at this rate.
1: Hmm. Interesting. And also Fresno's defense can get turnovers. Like look at the UNLV game. Mm-hmm. Like the defense isn't great, but they overall like they are able to try to see that the actual numbers you just had, but. Like when they get chances, like UNLV, yeah, it's short field, but they took advantage every time and scored. So they could force some fumbles. It'd be tough to get a pick from Agnew. He's pretty controlling the ball. wells, doesn't really give it up. That that's another way I think Fresno, if they're going to win, they they might need to have be at least be plus one, or at least even and score on the time they get a turnover.
0: And I think in a game like this, all it takes is
1: one. I've been going over my pick the whole time. I don't know what to do. I kept. Swe- I wrote down two different game victory, two different game things here. What is the? So
0: would you like to hear some projections then?
1: I would. That's what I'm looking for here. Yes, thank you. Okay, so
0: <laughs> uh, let me pull up FEI real quick. So FEI likes San Diego State uh, by just one point three. Points. This is going to be a trend, by the way. Uh, Bill Connolly's SP plus metric also likes the Aztecs by just 2.9, which is a 57% win probability.
1: Yeah, I'm looking here at number fire real quick. You can't get much closer than this 21.0 to Aztecs, 20.9 to Fresno State. There you go. And FBI, FPI has like a, basically a 55% chance. I kept switching around. I think I'm going to lead San Diego State, but I'm not super confident. Like, I'm going 20-17 to 17 for San Diego State. Because at defense, looking at how, how many diffused points they've lost all year, that's probably the difference for me, especially with Fresno State's offense not being – you mentioned they're more efficient, but I still don't think they're going to be able to break through all that much. And so that's why they'll be a close loss for Fresno State. I got the Bulldogs. Ooh, go, go with the home team. Or go with your team, not home team, sorry.
0: I think it's more likely that the Bulldogs' defense can make a play to turn the game around than it is that the Aztecs' offense does that.
1: It's going to be close.
0: It's going to be close. So, uh, But I am going to take the Bulldogs. I got Fresno State 24, San Diego State
1: 20. Twenty-four. A lot of the scores here are 24-20, 24-21, 2017. So you got Fresno 24, San Diego State 21. Also, we should know this is a Friday night game. Yeah. It's on what, ESPN2, is that right? That is correct. Okay, I was not looking and just took a guess as I'm writing in your prediction. All right, so next game, are we going to Wyoming, Utah State? Let's do it. So there's a fight on Twitter between a couple, or no, I don't say a fight; it's kind of a, a civil argument about the rivalry and trophy. What this can't be one. This, this is it's a rivalry game and trophy only, right?
0: Uh, it is the Bridger Rifle.
1: Yeah, pretty cool trophy. Not as good as a cannon. Not as good very, as, very
0: cool, but continue.
1: Not as good as others. Wyoming's key rivals are like... Somehow BYU got the mix too. It. It's like, well, everybody hates BYU, so who cares? There you go, yeah. <laughs> but we can all agree on that. But they haven't played a ton, but I'd put like CSU and Air Force well ahead of Utah State and Wyoming. And the trophy's only a couple years old. I think that's fair. It's... I don't know why the big hubbub was about. It's like, I get it. They're nearby. They share the border into Fort Bridger. I've actually... Or Br- Jim Bridger. I've actually been to Fort Bridger too many times to count, which is a, a weird brag to say, but I have for various reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... This game's in Logan at Maverick Stadium. I am sh- literally shocked. When I saw it was basically a touchdown favorite for Utah State. Right? What is that? Well, well I We mean, look how well they played versus Boise State. Look how well their defense is playing. And I look at conversely, Utah State hasn't really been knocking the pants off people.
0: Well, yeah, and I think this is another situation where you look at kind of strengths versus strengths. So this, mm-hmm. again, maybe not as extreme in offense versus defense kind of game, but it still definitely trends in that direction.
1: Yeah, I guess my big thing, why I could see Utah State being favored, when I saw the running game actually come back with Jalen Warren being pretty healthy. and hmm. They had a pretty solid game last week when they squeaked by Fresno State 37-35. So maybe they're looking at that. Maybe they're still not trusting Tyler Vanderwall. Maybe the one game was a we're playing Boise State we're playing a ranked team. It's my first start. I want to make a good impression, and he played quite well. I don't think they count into Adrenaline or whatever, but it's a second road game back-to-back for him they're playing, and so maybe they, they're they not trusting him quite yet, and that might be why. But even last week, like, Drew and Warren only had 30 yards. We had a touchdown, and I guess it's not really – I guess it matters he's back, but the combo of having him and Bright back, Gerald Bright, that is, is helpful to – whatever be pace of game keeping guys fresh that type of thing if he's another step back healthy that's probably why they're leading but Wyoming is really really good on defense like really good we we know what this Wyoming defense could do and they're awesome
0: yeah and we we know that this game was uh, you know you might have said the same thing last year and Wyoming nearly won that game Mm -hmm. and we know coming into this year that like you you brought up Jalen Warren in particular Um, Wyoming's still really good at defending the run. Yeah. And, you know, George Holani and company didn't really get to break out in the same way that they did late in the San Jose State game the week before. You know, Wyoming held the Broncos under 100 yards to, to what 3 and 3.25 yards per carry.
1: Uh, I have 422 two here is that right um, Oh, that's okay. their offense. Sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. I'm looking at offense for Wyoming. Sorry. So, I think
0: that, you know, I look at that battle in the trenches, especially after what I saw last week from from Wyoming's defensive front, mm-hmm. we maybe haven't given them enough credit for how they've kind of fixed things on the fly.
1: No, that's true. No, I agree. Because they've had suspensions, injuries and all sorts of, even the secondary guys are out, too.
0: Well, and it's not even that they have kind of, the you know, the big names like they did, uh, you know, a couple of years ago with Carl Grannis and Yannick Guy fan mm-hmm. but they have all been playing exceedingly well. Like we just talked about you know, the, the trio that San Diego state's throwing out there. Um, but maybe we should just shout out the four guys, you know, doing most of the work on the defensive line, Josiah Hall, who you might remember for the safety dance, mm-hmm. uh, Mario Mora, redshirt freshman, Javari Jackson, Garrett crawl, you know, just as a unit, they are one of the top run defending teams in the country. You know, line yards per carry, they're 18th nationally, 2.11 line yards per carry allowed. You know, they're 20th in stuff rate. And so the first thing I look at is, yeah, maybe Jalen Warren is back. He and Gerald Bright are going to have a lot harder time running the ball consistently against this front than they did against Fresno State last week.
1: I agree, but it's also it's still better than not having them, even though that may not be the best excuse to say why it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. But And maybe Warren's still coming back a little bit more, but it's still going to be tough. But if you have two guys who are pretty good, Odds are one's going to have, maybe not a great run, but there's going to be something like it gives them a better opportunity and better chance instead of having. I'd rather have two battering rams in one if you're going to break down the door. Mm-hmm. Maybe, not that you use them at the same time, but my point being, take turns. There's reasons to, to believe that if they have two good backs, there's there could be something, or they make enough of what is being given to them, to get yards and maybe points because mm-hmm. they're not going to they're not going to stop burning it. Plus for whatever Jordan Love struggles are this year that he's going to throw the ball and he's still a pretty good quarterback and he could still get things done. Look what last week, maybe he turned a corner versus a okay Fresno state defense, even though this is a big upgrade and another good defense. He's faced, which he hasn't done well. I'm going to look up really quick last year versus Wyoming, but it wasn't great. If I recall, it but wasn't. It, it, I, I'm pretty safe say he wasn't. And so they're not going to stop trying to throw the ball. They're not going to stop trying to run the ball. Wyoming's, Wyoming's going to have to respect Jordan Love's passing ability, like guarding Sosie Mariner and other guys out there. So we'll see early on where it's going to be more of a balanced coverage for Wyoming going up against Utah State if they're running their pass. They're not going to just stick eight guys in there to stop the running game because they don't need to, or, be, or vice versa. Okay, who cares? Utah State is a good back. We're not going to crash their front. End. If they do that, they still have a good quarterback. So with Utah State being more balanced, Longlead's obviously good enough to not worry about or overthink or overload either a pass or a brush, but it's something to consider where that also means Utah State's good enough where they're going up against just, say, six or seven guys in the running play compared to eight or nine or drop in the other way around. You know, If you get my what I'm saying. I right? do. I do. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I mean,
0: I ultimately, I think, and this is something we brought up in, past preview podcasts but like wyoming's been tested through the air like they're still number one in the conference as far as the number of attempts they have based on defense and it's to their credit again that they're facing what 40 attempts per game basically and they're still playing at as high a level as they are but honestly i think this game is going to turn on how quote-unquote back jordan love actually is See because I, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball consistently, and I think they're going to need those kind of chunk plays through the air. Maybe not like a thirty or forty yard pass, but they're going to need to be able to move the chains consistently. Here which is... is yeah, which is you know, it's still easier said than done because Wyoming is still like I think in the they're in that group near the top of the conference. There's there's five teams that have at least forty pass breakups, and they're all basically clumped together. Uh, ironically, Wyoming and Utah State are two of those teams. But I think that that pass defense uh, factor, you know, because we know Wyoming's not going to run on the pa- lean on the pass any more than they absolutely have to, that you know Jordan Love again is going to have to avoid making mistakes in the same way that he mostly did uh,
1: against the Bulldogs last week. So last year, what Jordan Love did? You want to take a guess at how many yards he had last year? Wasn't it like 120 or something like that? Oh, you're too kind. Twelve I it was I remember it was rough. Twelve of 28. 42% completion rate, 53 yards a pick, averaged 1.9 yards per attempt. It's a tall task. <laughs> it is. It's funny, too. The sandwich between a 322 yard game and a 448 yard game last year.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and this is something that we brought up before, but like, you know, Utah State's strength on the offensive line has been in pass protection. Mm-hmm. So like for as good as as Utah or as Wyoming has been as far as rushing the passer, it's basically like a top 50 unit by sack rate. Utah State's done an, a remarkable job. They're still uh, in the top 10 on offense as far as sack rate allowed. So I think that there's going to be opportunities to keep Jordan Love upright to give him the time he needs to throw, he's just got to make the right decisions.
1: So what does the advanced number say for this game?
0: Okay, so uh, FEI. Sorry, I'm trying to pull this up on the fly. This is really riveting podcasting, I know.
1: Yes, get it. What do we got?
0: Okay, so Wyoming is favored by FEI by 7.5. Bill Connolly's SP+. Likes Utah State, but not by much. It's only 2.2 points, which is a 55% win probability.
1: Oh boy. Oh, we should also mention ESPNU, 2 p.m. local, mountain time kickoff, so an afternoon game. Dang. FPI gives Utah State a 57% chance to win. And then you look at like team rankings and number fire split, each have a difference of like three to four points for either team. So I think they'll hit the under, which is fifty. I think we can agree on that, perhaps. I think so. Looking at what Utah State's done the past couple weeks, even though they lost to BYU, Jordan Love he's been playing better. I'm going to go Utah State. Okay, by a couple. It'll be it'll be like last week. It'll be like it'll be a low scoring game. I think it'll be twenty three to sixteen for Utah State. Because I also think Vanderwall's luck will kind of run out this week, play another good defense. Well,
0: that's the same kind of – I mean, isn't this
1: wasn't that the score of last year's game? 23-16? I think so. I don't know. No, we can look in a second. I'm not sure. If that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll look real quick. While you look that up, uh, I'm going to take Wyoming. <laughs> okay. What's your big reason why?
0: How much do you really trust the Utah State offense? Yeah, I guess you trust Vanderwall more. I, I, I'm not saying I trust Vanderwall more. I'm saying I trust the defense to, the, to do enough to give the offense an opportunity. And I don't know if the Utah State defense is as good as you think it is.
1: For the record, 24-16 last year.
0: Oh, okay. So you, were, yeah, pretty close. Apparently.
1: All right.
0: Uh, I'm gonna say Cowboys 21, uh, Aggie 17.
1: All right, a close game. Under, well under the 50-point threshold as well. Exactly. 21-17. All right, so what do we got next year? We, get, we go to Hawaii. Same kick time, Hawaii UNLV, for the – what's this, the Golden Pineapple? Is that what we're calling it? I
0: believe it's unofficially called the Golden Pineapple, or maybe that's just what we call it. Uh, officially, it is called the Ninth Island Showdown.
1: The Golden Pineapple is better, right?
0: It is. It, and it, it rolls off the tongue.
1: It, because it's a – if you've seen it, it's a yellow goldish pineapple – on top of basically the welcome to Las Vegas sign, essentially on like a plaque.
0: And that and that's just one reason why the Mountain West is the best conference yeah. in America.
1: It's not the conflict trophy, which is garbage.
0: Yeah. And this game is on Facebook, by the way.
1: So yeah, check that hey, Page coming our way if it's on Facebook, Matt. Yes. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> so check out Facebook. If you're in Hawaii, sorry, you guys you gotta you know how it is. Spectrum pay per view. Hawaii, a seven point road favorite over under. Are they betting, Matt, that Hawaii's going to score majority of these points, like 80% of these points? Because it's 73 and a half. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> what do they expect from UNLV in this game to get close? Like, is Hawaii going to win, like, 50 to 20?
0: I mean, I think they're expecting both teams to move the ball. Because if you just look at you know, yards per play allowed on defense, mm-hmm. you're you're talking about uh, the number 10 and 11 teams in the conference. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're not good, defensively. I think you start there. I, I know, I know. There I know but they're playing UNLV. Like, unless Charles Williams goes off like 180, 200 on the ground.
0: I mean, that's I'm, I mean, you joke, but that's well within <laughs> the way possibility. It's possible. Be, because in conference play, they've been even worse. Like They are they are next to last and last in yards per play allowed. UNLV is allowed 7.3 yards per play uh. in not-less action. And Hawaii is not much better. It's 6.7. So... Yeah, there could be a lot, a lot of big plays all over the place because um, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's going to be a carbon copy of last week's San Jose State game, but it may get pretty close to that.
1: Is this the last game? Really quick. Sorry to go off topic, but is this the last game at Sam Boyd Stadium? Uh, I think so. You know, um, because they're they're on the road for Nevada, right? Uh. No, they come home from Nevada. So, well, I just saw that because you know Kenny Mayne went to UNLV. Was he a kicker or something there? I, I think, think he it was a quarterback. Quarterback, not yeah. kicker. Sorry, not. He wasn't a Randall Cunningham playing punting and kicking. But I saw on Twitter like, "Hey, come enjoy the last game ever at Sam Boyd." He's like, "I'm in, guys. I'll be there." So I it's, thought it's
0: not the last game. By the way, that would be next week at home against San Jose State.
1: Yeah, so they have one more game at home. So, and I guess it's no. We could say good ratings to Sam Boyd because oh boy, it's uh It's fine. It is what it's there, right? It's a football stadium. <laughs> it's a football stadium. Yeah,
0: that's that's exactly it.
1: Here's what interesting about this game. I'm also I'm looking at the Las Vegas Review Journal. Look at headlines. Of course, you got the basketball because the Rebels are in action. You have a couple more basketball, more basketball. One of the headlines. I see nothing about the game this week on the Review Journal. Lady Rebels. Okay, cool. Golf, great. Um, one headline. UNLV's Tony Sanchez still on the recruiting trail.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to prepare for next year.
1: Does he? <laughs> well, yeah.
0: I mean, you have to assume that he is. It's just, it's just where the only football he has to assume that he is.
1: Yeah, he does. But it's the only football headline they have. On like, I'm scrolling through. There's like literally nothing on this game. There's tennis. There's golf. There's a Colin Kaepernick story for some reason on the UNLV page, probably mistagged. But there's tennis. That's the only UNLV football story they have besides a Sam Boyd memory thing. I mean, that kind of tells you everything you need to know, right? Basketball season too. That's what that tells me. Do we have... Um, I've been looking around. Is there a depth chart for Armani Rogers possibly starting or is he officially just in purgatory? Uh, no. Kenyon know, Oblad is still a starter. So I'm wondering, like, not to be all negative, I'm just like conspiracy theory guy. Sometimes I think about some random things. I mentioned last week, I think the transfer portal's coming for uh, Armani. I'm wondering if he's going to hang around to see what the coaching situation could be next year. Possibly. Possibly. But after the game itself, UNLV cannot guard a wide receiver on Hawaii. I don't think they'll be able to all that well. Hawaii, like I guess if we still quarterback them on once a ahead. I assume it's Shavon Cordero getting started again. I
0: would assume Rolovich so. Rolovich has
1: been pretty mum on what I've seen. He just kinda of is, like,
0: is listed at the top of the depth
1: chart. Okay. And Rolovich is like, oh, we'll have to look at the film. Like, the stupid coach speak. Oh, will look at the film. See that Inter-
0: Interestingly, this, this depth chart is still from last week. So,
1: yeah, you never know. But yeah. I did see someone on Twitter from, I forget who it was from, but it's like, oh, we'll see. You got to look at the tape. I'm like, okay, cool. You always look at the tape because
0: it's hard to argue, though.
1: It is. He's, they're both really good, but I guess the key difference, which is a really big one, is turnovers. And Cordero doesn't turn the ball over. He's not as erratic as Cole McDonald.
0: I think that I would agree with that.
1: And I get, and for this game, whoever's starting, they're going to win, I'd say for Hawaii, but if Hawaii's going to actually build something and not go back and forth, because remember Cordero Cordero is a retro freshman. Cause he, they have that four game role. He played in only four games last year, I believe maybe three, but he played them enough games to be a registered guy. And he was very good last year as well when he saw time. And so maybe it's time just to move on and go forward with him, I guess, which is probably the right call if he's not turned the ball over and there's going to be another... I'm going to make a, a reasonable safe bet. There's going to be two receivers on Hawaii who have 100 plus yards.
0: Yeah, I can I can see that.
1: Because when you look at the UNLV defense, um, I know teams run a lot for them, but they uh, are not quick. The well, cool. They aren't... Okay, so here's the They're thing. They're not bad, but... So... They are they
0: actually aren't bad at all like they're they're in the middle of the conference as far as just opponents passer rating, which is kind of remarkable when you think about it. Um, and the only team in the conference right now giving up a lower completion rate is Boise State.
1: True but yeah they they're okay but, but they're also
0: but they're also slightly below average as far as giving up uh, a lot of you know yards per attempt yeah so and same. they've only and they've only picked the ball off three times, so I think that's where most of the trouble comes from
1: mm-hmm. like yeah they are like i'm not just degrading they're terrible, but like they also haven't played a Hawaii offense like well that they're they're also
0: giving up nearly five and a half yards per carry on the ground, yeah, so, so
1: will Hawaii have a good running game, because they've kind of picked that up as well the past week or two,
0: they absolutely could,
1: and maybe that's the area where they have two hundred yard rushers, but I still think. With this seem like when they played CSU last week, it wasn't one of their better games. Like defensively, they gave up it was their actually their worst completion percentage game. Or second worst, sorry. Fresno was a touch better. Um actually Fresno was their worst passing game with like yards per play essentially, or oh, just about them in Wyoming somehow. Mm. But that was only five of twelve passing the Wyoming game, so I don't know how well that counts. But like over almost nine yards attempt. And the Rams are comparable in explosiveness, I think, for what Hawaii can do offensively. And They only have three picks. And if Cordero is more accurate and less turnover prone than Cole McDonald, there's fewer chances for interception. They're probably going to complete about 60% of the passes. And it'll be, this this will be, even though UNLV's defense is pretty, is decent, I guess, or average on passing, this will be their toughest test and will be the game where maybe they won't get as many. Boise State game is pretty bad. It might be in that range where Boise had 325 and three touchdowns. It could be in that range, I think.
0: Well here's another thing too. I mean if you're UNLV, if you if you squint <laughs> hard, you can kind of see this being a breakout game for Oblad too.
1: Oh yeah. Why secondary's nothing to talk home about.
0: Well and it's not only that, it's you know, neither of these teams seem like they're going to generate much of a consistent pass rush. Like you're talking about basically two of the bottom eleven teams nationally by by sack rate on defense.
1: That's why it's like seventy five over under. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, well, I mean, at the onset, you mentioned that Cordero could have another field day, and that's definitely within the own possibility. But, you know, Oblad could take a step forward, maybe, kind of, sort of. They
1: could, but they should also lean on Charles Williams to
0: open that up. Oh, I mean, I definitely think you're right about that. It's just like, but if you look at who they have played since he became the starter, like, just look at that list of defenses. So, at Wyoming... Boise State uh, at Vanderbilt, which was his lone win and probably his best overall game uh, at Fresno, uh, San Diego State, Colorado State. That's a lot of pretty good defenses. And Hawaii is just not in that same caliber of, of defense. So, you know, obviously Charles Williams is going to be the focal point of of, Wyoming, or excuse me, of Hawaii trying to stop this offense. But I mean, if Oblad can get some connections, like we've seen them come up with some chunk plays in the past. Like they have, you know, the occasional big play to the tight end. Mm -hmm. You know, Randall Grimes can go up and get a pass or two. There is opportunity here for the passing game to take a step forward that we haven't necessarily seen to this point.
1: So you think that would be the difference?
0: I think that it could be. I think I think the, the performance of the two quarterbacks could be a lot closer than a lot of people would think at first glance.
1: So what does like FEI and all those guys say for this matchup?
0: Okay, so FEI likes Hawaii um, by a fair margin, 10.1 points. As you should. Uh, <laughs> SP Plus also likes the Warriors by 11.5, which is a 75% win probability.
1: What do you got? What's your pick?
0: Uh, I'm going to take Hawaii. Good, because I think that you know they are going to be able to more consistently move the ball. I, th- I think they are s- the- their defense is slightly more likely to make a stop or two, which in a game like this, that's probably the difference. Uh, I'm going to say Hawaii 45, UNLV
1: 35. We have the same score prediction, just about. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Exactly. Um, I have 45 21. And you have 45. You said 38 or 34? 45 35. 45 35. Sorry. Yeah. I just think, yeah, it's, uh, I don't, that's not trust the UNLV defense off, or excuse me, the Hawaii defense to stop them. I just, I just think Hawaii's going to run away with it. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer, but I think they got to have one at some point this year more than once have a, have like a sort of a cruise to victory type game because if the running game goes as well as it possibly could. I don't see why you. Know, I guess you know we could go score for score to keep it close, like uh, the San Jose State game. Maybe that's going to happen, but I think at some point this not, it's not going to be like a Nevada game, but it might be like the Mexico game where they kind of pull ahead and it's kind of uh, get a fairly comfortable victory. I could see that. All right, Air Force Colorado State. Is there a trophy for this game?
0: It is the Ram Falcon Trophy. That's
1: right. I always forget the Ram Falcon Trophy, which could be my favorite possibly. This game, is, uh, this game
0: is on. This game is on ESPN two. Uh, Five PM Mountain Time, four Pacific.
1: No weather involvement. We're not in the vortex out west, which thankfully, if you're out, east, yeah. if you're out east in the winter vortex, uh, bundle up and just watch football and watch these games if you're already tuning into us at the moment. I'm very thankful that I live in California this week. Yeah, I had a couple weeks ago here where it dropped like in here in Salt Lake, near South of Salt Lake, a reasonable fifty, like right in the fall range. But then, like a thirty-degree swing, forty-degree swing, like in two days, like maybe sixty to twenty, like that was not fun. Not that twenty is like overly, extremely, off the charts cold, but that swing of temperature just gets you. So, let's get to the game here. So we don't—we're not talking about snow, even though know snow game would be fun, right? We want to see. Have we had a snow game this year? Bare, uh, barely, not yet, no. Utah State Boe barely, right? Yeah, yeah, barely. I forget. It. We—it's—it's it's no Josh Allen, Colorado State, Wyoming. Uh, snow game where he runs it for a game when he touchdown but this game like I mentioned ESPN 2 Falcons are a 10 point road favorite road favorite over the surging Rams that seems a bit high for me because we've seen the Rams like as we at the Colorado and their defense has improved the past month offense has been clicking with Patrick O'Brien finding Warren Jackson Neil Craig Harris all these other guys they have the incredible story this week which maybe I didn't even know he's on the team which is unfortunate we should have known this. They had a Ra- Iraq war veteran, Joshua Griffin on the team. Mm-hmm. So, let's get him to play this game, right? See what he can do. Why not? Yeah, I don't see why not. But I mean, what do you think about this one? Then? How do you kind of think what's uh, the vibe?
0: We we've spent the last few weeks kind of talking about Colorado City turning the corner, right? Mm-hmm. They've won 3 in a row. You know, they, they seem like even despite, you know, losing Colin Hill and then losing Marvin Kinsey that they've they have managed to piece things together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now it's gut check time because down the stretch, they need to win two or three to get the bowl eligibility. And those three games are against Air Force, Wyoming and Boise State. So they're going to have to exercise some demons to get there. And you I mean, you mentioned the 10 point spread as being maybe a little too high and. Honestly, it might be about right, in my opinion, at least.
1: So, okay. Is that hmm. you think that's right? You sure about that? I think so. Okay, all right. That's fine. That's fair. So, with the guys, so you you're trusting that Falcons defense then? I th- I think if it's a gut check, like you say.
0: I I don't know if it's necessarily about the Falcons defense as much as it is about the Rams defense. Gotcha. Because. We've saw them, we saw them improve, you know a little bit against someone like President of State, for instance. but you know they've faced a lot of really flawed offenses over the last few weeks. And even then, they're still giving up over five yards play. And we know like Air Force is doing what they want to do at a very high level this year. Obviously, what they do is run the ball. Um, so this is going to be a much different test for the Rams defense, especially up front, than they than they have seen over the last month or so. And you know, you look back at that Fresno State game; like it went back and forth, yeah. But let's not forget that they gave up over six yards a carry. And even though they you know beat New Mexico relatively comfortably, Amari um, Davis was able to rip off a couple of big runs, and mm-hmm. the Rams gave up over five yards per carry in that game too. So if Air Force can get out to an early lead, like 7-0, 10-0, or something like that, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the offense to keep up with that. And to me, I think the the ability to kind of keep things close, whether it's a tie game or whether it's to get that early lead instead, uh, that, I think, for the Rams is going to be paramount because I don't think they can afford to fall behind. I don't think they can afford to get hit in the mouth the way that I think Air Force might be able to. Well,
1: any I consider... Look at the Utah State game. Air Force held the ball for 45 minutes. Exactly. And so, like, let's just say, like you mentioned, not even, like, punch them out, I guess. Say it's 10-0. The first two drives take up whatever amount of time. But let's just say the first two drives are 10-0 for Mm -hmm. Air Force. Colorado State may have, like, what, set – like, I should look how many possessions were in that game, but you could realistically see them having, like, seven total possessions in the game. If Air Force can run the ball – keep them off the field just kind of run the clock and just do their option offense. If you're down 10-0, and if it's score for score, you're out of luck. Mm-hmm. And I, but However, I do think the Rams' offense is good enough to – I mean, I won't counter the uh, what Air Force can do with the ball, but if they throw to Warren Jackson and they find their running game, which has been fine without Kings, like you mentioned, they could score quickly, but it's not going to matter if they're down 10-0. Like, I can see them coming back. like If they get down early – but it's just the it's a defense gonna have to make a stop and make force Air Force to punt at some point. If those long drives continue throughout the game, it doesn't matter if if the Rams just like I said, if they go down early, any or kick field goals at all, they might be down in this game with their six possessions and score at even twenty points.
0: Yeah, and that I think is the upside for, for Colorado State because like we have seen that Air Force's secondary is beatable. Mm-hmm. You know, that was what happened late in, in the Navy game. That was what happened in the first half of the Fresno State game. So there have been stretches where the Falcons have been tested against the pass. And if there's one thing that Colorado State does really well, it's throw the football. And it just on the season now, Air Force is, is now giving up about a 64% completion rate to opponents. So I like I start there, and I look at Patrick O'Brien, I look at Warren Jackson and company, and i just see so much potential for chunk plays but i just think that they would be i mean obviously they would be a, it would be a lot easier for them to do that if they could play from ahead mm-hmm. and then just kind of kill the clock late in the game with with the running game with Mar- marcus McIlroy and jalen thomas and all that but i think you know even if they get down early o'brien and company are going to give them a chance to stay in this game because Air Force, you know, if they have one weakness, like it's just their ability to defend the pass.
1: Do you think the sixty-two and a half is too high in this game for the over-under? I do not. You no. don't?
0: No. Ooh, I would take the over without hesitation. Really?
1: You think Rams will have that many possessions to score? Yeah. Interesting. Do you remember Utah State game where they had like six possessions or whatever, held the ball for fifteen minutes? I mean, I don't. I don't think this is going to be that kind of game. Me neither. But I'm saying there's precedent, but. But it's like look at really quick look at the falcons here's why i'm hesitant to take that they only, the only total combined points 30 versus army 38 utah state hawaii which is a i guess the rams would be what would you say the second best passing offense in the conference uh they're definitely in that mix yes yeah. they i would say like they okay here's where i'm getting at the past two games it's changed prior to that which maybe you are right maybe we're both right here looking at how we're deciding this the last two games not many points before that, fifty six twenty six. y forty three twenty four. Fresno thirty four twenty five. Navy forty one twenty four. San Jose State. So there's gonna be points. Maybe the last two games are just a blip on the radar, and they'll go back to that. Whether mm-hmm. it be scoring and their defense not playing as well. I think it might be somewhere in between. So I think sixty two and a half is a touch high for me. So and right now, Air Force is a ten point favorite, road favorite. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Um Okay, I'll ask you a question here because this seems, uh, well, I'll just say because this is ridiculous. FPI gives Air Force an 82% chance to win.
0: I mean, I don't think that uh, that's it's alone by the advanced measures.
1: That seems high, though, doesn't it?
0: I, don't know. I mean, maybe a touch.
1: Like, Number Fire has an 18 point victory. Team ranking says like a 14 point victory for Air Force.
0: Well I mean like I said I think there's a definitely a common trend because FBI likes the Falcons as well by like
1: 20.2 <laughs> it's not tight but like without like a week ago. uh
0: and an SP plus maybe maybe a little more conservative but they still favor Air Force by 14.1 which is a 79 percent win probability
1: I'm hesitant to take a big victory for Air Force I think they'll win I just don't see them rolling away like by tw- winning by three touchdowns so what do you got I'm going to go – I think Colorado State's going to cover. Okay. I think it's going to be like – I'll go 31-23 for the Falcons.
0: Well, 31-23, would, that wouldn't cover 60?
1: No, 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 no. I made over the 10, 10 points. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say. Um,
0: no, I mean I'm, I'm going to take the over without hesitation. Okay.
1: All right. Go for it.
0: <laughs> I think it's going to be rolled back and forth, but I think Air Force is going to survive.
1: I'm going to say 38 35. That's a lot of points there. 38 35. Is it partly because you don't trust the uh, Rams defense still?
0: I mean, I think both of these defenses are going to give up a lot of yardage. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they rack up like 800, 900 yards
1: of total offense. So you said, sorry, you said 38 35, right? Yes. 38 35. That's a, a lot of people saying 30 plus points for a force in their group here. So. Final game of the day, right? Am I correct on this one? Finally, unlike last week where I messed up,
0: you are correct.
1: New Mexico at Boise State, twenty-eight point favorite for the Broncos. This is the only late game, so it was a Saturday. You got an afternoon to kind of just lounge and watch a three to four games back to back to back. Nice. 8-15 Mountain, seven fifteen Pacific. I guess the big question in this game. Is should Boy State go go to Hank Bachemar because this is basically a gimme victory for the Broncos.
0: I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit uh, in the recap podcast, but I think if considering what is at stake, I would probably be conservative, and I would just roll with uh, Chase Quarter, Jalen Henderson, where or, or whoever ends up under center.
1: That's what you. That's what you plan to be. Not even like my thought would be maybe because I mentioned we mentioned. a, Recap, I mentioned like the Tua with Alabama it looked a little shaky. He's not practicing this week, at least the first day or two. For which, whatever they're playing, Western Carolina, who cares this week? But I think maybe a little bit get him in there, maybe a series or two when the game's already in control. Like, don't I don't know, man? I'd say I think you should get him in if he's good enough to play, let him play a couple of series just so he sees live football and not his first game coming back. Who do they have next week? They play, let me see real quick. So Utah State, yeah, that's right. They play the Aggies. So, do you really want him to be his first game under back after almost a month of being gone at Utah State, who's still a pretty good defense?
0: I mean, I think that I think that that case is overstated, personally.
1: Okay, I I still think some live action would be helpful, even a little bit, because the risk of injury, you never know. But I would still say let him. He's like he was dressed. He could have technically played like the week after he got hurt because he was dressed in full pads and everything. Mm-hmm. And so it's like. What do they – I I think – that's my opinion. I think he should play a little bit just to get him out there. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it doesn't matter, right? Because what is New Mexico really going to do to threaten Boise State?
0: Well, I mean, I think it – is it still an open question about how good the passing game is going to be if if Bach Beyer isn't under center?
1: Well, yeah, because Chase Cord hasn't really been the model of reliability or efficiency either.
0: I mean, he's been okay. I, I, this is not to denigrate Chase Cord, because like I said, if you look at his season numbers, he's been pretty solid. 60% completion rate, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, and so I think like if, if he's on his game, this is something that I feel like we're talking about week in and week out. New Mexico just does not have a good pass defense. And, you know, if they can get the ball early to Khalil Shakir and, and, and John Hightower company, this could, they, they could run away with this game fairly early, but if you can't, you know, we've talked about in the past how Mexico isn't—I mean, as bad as they are defending the past, they've been okay as far as defending the run. Like they're—they're they're in the middle of the pack, uh, in uh, conference-wise, with uh, four point—it's basically four yards of carry allowed on the ground. Mm-hmm. So I think there's at least a slight opportunity, like if the passing game doesn't click right away, um, that New Mexico can can put the clamps down at least a little bit on the ground game and really force Chase Corden to more obvious passing situations. And it reminds me of something I read because Bill Connelly put out this article, I think it was yesterday or today, about kind of I I think it was it was related to like overs and unders. So it was more of like a gambling kind of article.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen that.
0: But one thing that jumped out to me was that New Mexico ended up on a list of you know, like how they have progressed, I think it was over the last six weeks. I can't remember if it was over the last six weeks or from the beginning of the season. But essentially, the offense has gotten worse for the Lobos. The defense has gotten better. Is the offense so the, really worse? The the they're the not
1: scoring, is, but they're just they're moving the ball, though. Like, while i mean in other games, they move the ball but just don't score. They've got
0: I mean, they get big plays, but they aren't efficient by any stretch. Okay. And, you know, this is something I think we've brought up at least once or twice before, like New Mexico isn't terrible when it comes to kind of being disruptive. Like they're by line yards per carry, for instance, they're actually 40th nationally and they're basically middle of the pack or or a little bit better by some of the other metrics, Um, you know, stuff rate. They're 68th nationally. So they're right about average with a 20 percent stuff rate. Mm-hmm. um in short yarded situations power success rate they're in the top 50 so i don't think this is a situation where like if, if the passing game scuffles the the running game is necessarily going to be able to run wild i think that there's still a little bit for voice state to prove on that front especially if robert mahone who last i checked his status i think is still up in the air
1: mm-hmm. it, it's not official he back i assuming with him he probably do the same thing with uh would Bachmari just don't want to play if they're still injured?
0: Yeah, so I think that you know if it takes a little while for Van Buren and Holani get going, you know it could be interesting for a little while. Like I don't think Boise State is going to be in any threat of a real upset bid, but I think that if they get off to a slow start, like we, we kind of know what New Mexico is. Like they they can defend the run pretty well, even if they can't defend the past to save their life. And they can be explosive on offense. So if Boise State, you know, maybe they get a blown coverage. Maybe they maybe the New Mexico offensive line gets a clean block. Mm-hmm. Like we know Amari Davis can, can break through and rip off a 30, 40, 50 yard run. Yeah. I think there's a capacity to at least make it interesting that a lot of Boise State fans, they, they might be expecting to, to walk over the Lobos in this game. There's a chance that they might not. That it might take them a little while to get going.
1: Yeah, I will. Yeah, I cause like I said, it, it's right. They have good play players like Or Davis who are in the ball. They can run well. It's also like we haven't mentioned the quarterback situation, which could be a turnover machine for for New Mexico as well, with Tavaka Toyota back there and what they're doing. But I think it'll be what New Mexico has done before. They move the ball a little bit, a touch, but they'll just not like said not super efficient overall. They'll kick maybe kick field goal here or there. They won't be able to drive down sustained touchdown drives. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think it'll come out to be, and and that's why I think my I don't think Boise is going to cover, but they'll win convincingly in this game.
0: By the way, did you notice the New Mexico dot chart? I,
1: oh yes, I I saw it the other day with a uh, yes, they had the nose tackle vacant.
0: Yeah, so for those of you who didn't see it on Twitter, um, Frank Marcoliano, the the SID at New Mexico, left that blank on uh, in memory of Najee Flowers. So I think that that was a really cool gesture.
1: Yes. So we'll see how they play too. That They had the game postponed last week, which is going to be moved to November 23rd versus Air Force. So I don't know. We'll see. They'll be maybe inspired or back in the football field or, or a game, not just practice and dwelling on the loss of a teammate, unfortunately. Sometimes they'll maybe have some motivation because of playing for that guy or getting back out there and playing football. So maybe you'll see them do, do something early on, maybe just surprise boys to have that energy within them to go out there and Want to play really well. And maybe they'll get some early points because of that. But even then, with it, that motivation and drive, that won't be enough, I don't think. I think you're right. But I'm going with, I guess we do our, we got to give FEI steps to go for it. What do they got?
0: <laughs> okay. So FEI likes Boise State by 34.5. Ooh, hoo, 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 hoo. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, sorry, I had to scroll down a little bit. Uh SP plus also liked the Broncos by 27.1 with a ninety-four percent win probability. What do you say? I'm with you. I think I think it'll be I think i will get close to covering, but I don't I don't think they'll quite get there. So Boise State's definitely gonna win comfortably. I'm gonna say
1: thirty-five to twenty. Pretty close. I'm kind of like I said, same with you. I'm going 31 10 because maybe it's 10 7 the first quarter. New Mexico is decent enough to move the ball a touch, but they're, and with the boys, if they're playing chase court, if they're, and odds are they'll put in some backups. Like this could be like the Wyoming game where whatever, I forgot what it was, they scored 16 fourth quarter points, I want to say, mm-hmm. whereas what, 57 to 31 or something sort of close where it kind of looked like, hey, Hawaii was in this game, but they really weren't. I can maybe see that as well where, Boise's up big, and maybe the points come at the end of the game where it's 10 or more points for New Mexico to make it like a 17-point victory. But yeah. I just don't think with the back of Denver Boise, who they're going to bring into play after the it gets in their in their control where they are kind of got this under a hand. That's what I'm thinking, like 31-10. Yeah. We do have a couple guys like blowouts on here, so we'll see how that goes, some of our guys predicting games. Uh, do we need to mention, we we're going to have an article on this. Do you want to give a quick thought on Brian Harson's comments from the other day?
0: Uh, I mean, personally, I don't see the story.
1: Okay. I, didn't... I feel
0: like the, I feel like the things he's talking about when it comes to basically, I don't know, valuing other people's opinions more than others. That's something everybody does. That's especially true. in a, especially in a workplace.
1: Does he do this more often than other people? He seems this seems to be kind of a more theme sort of for Boise at times. About complaining I... about butts in the seats and not selling games out and stuff, and complaining about not being perfect.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: I would just say, we have, we're. Why I brought this up, we have a piece where kind of like you, me, Colin Raj, Eric kind of put, I probably wrote too much instead of other guys, but you heard his comment saying like a twenty. it's like, I think that's getting the most headlines out of it. If you go and actually read what he said, okay, if you listen to what he says, even more so, he's not like on a rant, he's not yelling, he's not, he's passionate, but he's not like aggressively passionate like some coaches are, where yep. they're freaking out about or just coaches who can be overboard. I think he could have said it a little bit better for what he's getting at because the one thing I wrote and I was going to give away my part here is like I, I value people with opinion and I said this last time Ross because we mentioned this for a second too so if you hear this twice I apologize for it again I guess I thoroughly apologize for a third time but it seems to me if you give money to the program he'll listen to you like the way he's saying if you're a booster if you season ticket hauls, I will take your text or phone call that seems kind of weird to say because not every booster gives money knows, what, knows anything about football they mm-hmm. just like to give money to help the program I thought yeah. that was kind of an odd statement to make. But overall, his point is being, it wasn't just football. It's like negativity online where it's not just, hey, I hate you, or you had a crappy game. It's more personal, more thinking I'm better than you and stuff like that. And if you're a Boise State fan and you not wish to go to or want to go to a New Six game every year, but if you expect that, you need to temper back what you're talking about every year. And that's kind of what Harson's getting at where – They're so good. The expectations are so high. Fans put it above that. Where if they lose two games, people think they're going to cancel their season tickets. So, Mm -hmm. but it's you'll read what to say. It's it's not a huge deal, but it's kind of some of the way he said it. I'm like, yeah, you could probably maybe rephrase a few of those comments. I would say, but you can read what to say next time. We won't give it all away, Matt. Right? No go view that, that this is an extended tease we can call it that exactly so we got four other people and i gave away most of mine but that's fine but that's it for this week we'll be back sunday to recap all these games to see who could be bowl eligible hawaii's on the cusp utah state's on the cusp i think there's only two teams that can be bowl eligible correct this week hawaii,
0: uh shoot i closed my why needed seven <laughs> wins
1: i just wrote the bowl piece too so i should know hawaii is at six one more utah state's at five correct they're the only teams that can become ball eligible this week but fresno needs a win to get there and if csu has any chance they got air force wyoming boise good luck if you're going to get the six wins that's a tough stretch so we'll see how that goes for them but we'll be back on sunday midday check us out in the meantime mwwire.com twitter all day mwc wire matt does a good job tweeting most of um, like i'd say 87 and a half percent on saturdays maybe more to, for those games but friday night we got the game going on Trophy weekend, Saturday and Friday at the oil, oil can, but subscribe we're over at Anchor. Again, I'll say it again. Like I said, Matt, if it's new, if it's within a year and a half, we're still new. So we're exactly. at anchor.fm. If you if it's not pulling up in any feed, it should be fine by now. It's been about a month, but just find Mount West podcast and just hang back and listen to our basically three shows a week that we're doing right now, and we'll see you next time.